The One Space Love Show for the love of music, lifestyle, well-being and culture while caring for our planet. On this show, I will be chatting with musicians, artists and creative minds that are living life on purpose by doing what they love. Welcome, Daphne Tsai, to the One Space Love Show, and it's so good to see you. We were just discussing off air that it's been around six years since we've seen each other. I mean, it just blows my mind, and so beautiful to see your joyful face again. How are you? So happy to see you. It has been. I can't believe it's been six years. Um, Time is not linear, that's for sure. We're all finding that out, right? Isn't it true? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the way you tell, actually, like, I don't, I don't have children, but I, I, people who have my friends who have children, we, you know, clock the time that way. It's like, oh, he's nineteen. What? <laughs> but it feels like a little, you know, no time has passed. I really do like try to practice by that that you can't base things on time anymore because it just feels like I saw you yesterday and we were hanging out at Woodford Folk Festival on the campgrounds in that incredible heat. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's really, I have to say still all the festivals I've been to around the world, Woodford is my favorite, really. Yeah. It's just as a whole, you know, the balance and the, uh, the, um, amazing offerings there, music and art. It's like the burning man of Australia with, with no, um, desert. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, I mean, it's wonderful to see you. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, so beautiful to have you on. Thank you. Where are you right now? Because I actually didn't get clear. Yeah. Oh, I'm in Costa Rica. Beautiful. I'm in Uvita, Costa Rica right now. Yes. So and- working on a few projects here with mm-hmm. some friends and um, a friend of mine's working on an intentional community. So it's really great to see um, the vision coming together and, you know, people from all over the world creating a new way to be, you know, as our indigenous, uh, as our ancestors taught us. So I think also more and more we're paying attention to the uh, linear, um, what I say, uh, the world that we think is the world we should live in. Then we can, we also can create other types of worlds. And actually Woodford was one of those places I saw that. So Mm. I love that. It's that expansiveness of, you know, everything is an illusion and actually dreaming up what it is we want to see rather than seeing what you're saying is in front of us in all that sometimes chaos and it can be hard to take in that at times. But knowing that it's not all set in stone is that we can change this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I, actually working with you over the years, I totally saw that with all the events <laughs> you created and the way that um, I just love the the oneness coming together through music and arts and, mm. and the collaborative community. I miss, I know we all miss that. We do. In I person. mean, how many, I was thinking back of our relationship were, you know, in that, in that environment of the community. And there were so many moments we shared actually, not only in Sydney, but you know, all around Australia, but I was just thinking one of the very earliest moments, I was trying to remember how we actually connected Um yeah, I was thinking, was it through Rob in, in Bali Spirit Fest? I was trying to remember. <laughs> 
you know, that's what I love yeah. about my dear friends. I, sometimes I can't remember how we met. Yeah. I remember all the memories. I'm thinking, wait, where did, yeah, where did it first begin? I because don't know. Sometimes it's a circular thing, you yes. know? <laughs> yeah. That seems like the theme of our chat. It just felt like it, it was just, yeah, so fluid that it didn't really matter where it began because it hasn't even, you know, it's still continuous. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it could have been for sure Bali Spirit. I spent a lot of time in, um, again, I'll, I maybe have to do that. And even Festival Love is Bali Spirit and Woodford Folk, the two of them. They're very, very different, but two of my fave festivals. And yes, probably um, Rob, he connected me with a lot of people over the years. And yes, super grateful to be connected with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's take you back now because you were born in Texas. Is that right? Is that Correct. where you grew up and, and born grew as up. well? Born and raised in Texas. Okay. Yeah. So take me back then. I mean, I feel excited to actually have this conversation with you because there's <laughs> like parts that we've got to chat, you know, backstage or you actually stayed at my place but and we hung out at Woodford. But it, just to actually go in deep with you, I'm excited. It feels like you're in my in my home right now. <laughs> yeah, so, I wish I was. Yeah, I know. So you grew up and music feels like it was always something on your path. It's It's been there a very long time. Can you share where that began back in, you know, the younger years of growing up in Texas? Well, you know, my dad and my, my mom told me, um, may her soul rest, you've met her before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she told me that um, my dad used to call me the, the singing baby. So I was a third child. So I think... Um, I had to kind of create my world because, you know, you're kind of weaving and trying to find your space and your place. Um, and so I, you know, from a young age, I definitely was singing. I was really, really shy kid, if you would believe that. Um, I didn't like to talk. <laughs> Nobody, a lot of people wouldn't believe that. That's really um, hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all the way through, I think almost fourth grade, I was super quiet. Um, I love music and I love singing and everything, but I'd always kind of do the, uh, I love to be in the choir, but I like to be in like the second or third row. Mm. And, and I never liked to do solos. It, you know, it, it just, I never wanted to be in the spotlight at all. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So yeah, through elementary school, I sang, you know, in the choirs and stuff, nothing. I, my mom put me in, um, violin lessons. So I took violin at, I think third and fourth, fifth grade. Um, and then in fifth grade, my principal, for whatever reason, I don't know why, um, Mr. Niehoff, I still remember his name. Mm. <laughs> he singled me out and he said, I think you'd be great to lead the class. You should be the cl- class leader, picking one female, one girl and one boy to lead at fifth grade class. And we're going to bring you to the main office where kids from the other school is going to meet. It was like a student council, student yes. government. Yeah. And we're going to choose you to do be that person to be the leader. And, um, and then I was off to the races. So um, then I started talking and managing and producing and, you know, <laughs> at a young age there, I love doing it. So, um, and I remember that same year, not, not on a musical note, but on an artistic note, I love cooking. Anybody who knows me knows yes. that one of my dreams <laughs> is to, to live in a place where I have a small little restaurant, you know, and just make my little special recipes and, um, you know, preferably by the beach. And, um, but, the, you know, around that age, my mom, you know, we had six, my mom had six kids. So there's a big household and a lot of things to do. And I love being in the kitchen. I love cooking. So she started to let me, um, I think it was for my 10th birthday. I asked 
for a um, 10 pound bag of flour and uh, the New York Times cookbook. I remember I still have it. It's like all tattered. And um, I started my like Julia, Ch- Julia Child's kitchen and she would drop me to the grocery store with a checkbook. If anybody remembers checkbooks. Yes. And I go in with my list with my sister and we get all the things and then I'd make dinner and make charts about what, you know, what we're going to be eating each day. And I just love creating that way. And I do brunch on, on this on Saturday for cartoons for my brothers. And so I remember that also being a memory of uh, being creative, not necessarily mm-hmm. through music, but through different creative arts. So I'm really interested in all of the arts, um, not only focused on singing, mm. uh, but music has definitely been the forefront for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I love the passion of cooking because I always say that you don't have to pick particularly pick one creative path like it all is the same process you know and it sounds like through that you you gained your organization skills which I know you've used later on and and you know all of those skills have led you to all those different paths you've been on and then when how did you get to choose to actually study music I mean you went and studied at Two universities, the University of Texas, Austin, and the old school of folk music in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I um, it's uh, funny because I started in the then in sixth grade, I got in the band and started mm-hmm. playing flute. Okay. And in and then by the seventh grade, they made you choose. You couldn't play in the band and be in the choir. And I really wanted to sing. So I started, you know, school choir, seventh grade. And my mom let me get a voice coach that year. She was really strict and I actually didn't really like her style at all, but, and I kind of was, I think my creative creativity is a little dampened at that time from that. And, you know, I had her for a little while, but I stayed in choir and, um, got in, but then I also got in other creative arts, gymnastics and cheerleading and other things. So it was always like balancing, you know, the, the, all of, all of the things, but, um, yeah, I stayed in choir through high school. And, um, when I went to university, I decided I wanted to, you know, be in the music department and got in the music department at University of Texas in Austin. But I started to uh, study, you know, it's classical. It's not, Mm. it wasn't the right school for me in the sense to Mm. finish it through because I studied it, but I was, um, I felt a little, I think a lot of musicians maybe that, have the same story I've heard it's feeling a little caged in with yeah. these are the classical pieces and this is what you have to sing and I remember we had juries so you'd have to sing you know whatever arias and in front of the jury and I was like whatever 18 and I was like I don't want to sing that song you just didn't really do that so the dean of the school was like I don't think this program is for you mm-hmm. because and then I was like well I really like Joni Mitchell and Joan Baez <laughs> you know <laughs> so it was a definitely different path and um she actually recommended for me to move to the um uh, the communication school, which also had the production side of music okay. and arts to see, you know, to work in studios and stuff. So I started to work in recording studios by 1920, the old Neve boards and mm. tape and splicing. And so that got me really interested in both sides, the behind the scenes and also being a um, performer. And so, yeah, I had a pretty well-rounded situation going on. And that actually took me, if I, I feel like if I'd stayed only in the vocal department, my life would be really different Mm. because as always, you know, you're just following that flow, but I ended up getting a job at a recording studio, like an internship. And then that producer introduced me to a producer in Los Angeles Mm. that producer had come to come to Austin, Texas. I was in Austin and said, you know, I have a studio in, in Los Angeles. If you ever come out, you should come work for me. 
so that gave me the like, ooh, I want to. And so I ended up going like maybe a week after I graduated university and moved to Los Angeles from Texas. And, and then that kind of took me on a whole path. So it's interesting how the things that we think, you know, I should only study this. And then I, you know, kind of went with the flow a bit on that. I didn't end up going to Old Town Folk School of Music till later after I was in okay. LA and then took a little bit of break and went to um, backpack through Europe. <laughs> you know, that thing. And then came back with no money and realized, oh, shoot. <laughs> so my sister's like, come live with me in Chicago. And then okay. I, I, I found this, the Chicago, the old town school of folk music. And that was more of a, uh, more casual, I'd say, you know, old town school of folk music is awesome, but they'd be like, if you want to get a beer before class, feel free. <laughs> like, oh, this might be my place. <laughs> Glass of wine. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, and, and tell me, and I feel like, like I'm still studying every day. You know, still studying. Oh, me too. Every- me too. Yeah. I, one of my questions was, how did you get to LA? And so now you've taken us to LA, and I can see now that that path came through that door with the recording studio. How do we then blend these worlds of the spirituality and folk music? Was that in LA before you came back? Yes. So in LA, actually, um, no, it was actually after Chicago, but in LA, I, um, prior, I got the job at the recording studio, but it wasn't going to pay much. So I, when I got there, I applied for a job at, uh, the NBC at the tonight show. Yeah. So I ended up getting the internship and a, well, uh, internship slash job there. And so I got like, you know, thrown into a really cool, uh, like class of 35 people from around the world that had come to be uh, to work on the show. And so, uh, yeah, working and seeing, you know, one of the, the first musicians I just told, I talked to my friend uh, Shiva yesterday yeah. and I told her, she's like, you have to, you go to Memphis and see Al Green. He's a pastor at this church. And I was like, you know, the first person I saw on the tonight show, I was 22. I was in the green room, like working, you know, show. And, uh, he comes in and he's a, he's the guest that night. And wow. I was just like floored. And then he did like, when I watched what he did, he did a kirtan kind of, I, mean, I didn't know what it was at the time, yes. but he's, you know, he's singing and then he had people sing back and it was a reciprocal. He wasn't, and he even got off the main stage in studio one, which is kind of far away from the audience and walked through the, on the floor and got up in the rafters and it's like singing, you know, mm. his songs and. Um, so he had this, you know, call and response. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, you know, I didn't know what that was, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that I want to be doing that. What, you know, I was working backstage, but mm. so Al Green, maybe my first guru in that. I just sense. got goosebumps <laughs> then because it feels like you, you've resonated with that exchange of energy that he was able to, to bring across. And then you had that moment, like, that's the path I want to go with music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it took me a while to get to that path. I um, ended up uh, staying working in, this, in a job, worked in the recording studio for some time. As everybody does in LA, I think at that age, started waiting tables at night and made more money doing that cocktailing at a, um, at a Cuban, uh, sorry, at a um, salsa club uh, <laughs> until like four o'clock in the morning. And you can burn the candle both ends at that age. Um, but not practicing yoga at all. And then a friend of mine gave me a VHS, t- a VHS tape. If anybody remembers what those are, <laughs> say dating ourselves. But it was um, Eric Schiffman and the, the actress, Ally McGraw. <laughs> and I was just floored. I was like, oh my gosh, I love. So I started practicing with that tape. And, um, and then I moved to, to, then I went on that journey to Europe, came back and ended up in Chicago with that tape still. So I am. Um, when I 
had an opportunity, a good friend of mine actually said, Hey, you know, I met this guy and he, I'm moving to Vegas, but my apartment is paid off for two months. And maybe you want to come back to LA. And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I moved back to LA and <laughs> moved into her apartment and, uh, didn't have a job at that time, but was looking for that, that yoga teacher, Eric Schiffman. So I went to yoga works. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of people know yoga works in Los Angeles. It was one of the premier studios for some time. And I just walked to the front desk and was like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for Eric. <laughs> and then I met the manager and this whole exchange happened and then ended up that, uh, they hired me that day because mm-hmm. the manager said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I was living in Chicago, working at this you know, restaurant and going to school there and ended up the restaurant I worked at is a restaurant she and her husband would go to every year for their anniversary. So it just, you know, all these little threads mm-hmm. and she's like, well, you should work here. So I just started, I started working there and that's when I um, really started studying and, you know, being with all these wonderful teachers um, over the years and then observing uh, the music that was being played there, which I hadn't heard much of. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a singer named Sheila Chandra. I think maybe you might know her. Yes. So I spoke with her on the podcast I'm doing now mm-hmm. and I was telling her that, you know, her CD was on repeat for... <laughs> I don't know, two years or whatever, you know, and she was telling me how it wasn't um, created as spiritual music okay. originally, you know, but pe- so we never know where our music will land is what I'm saying. And, and that was one of the, pe- that I told her that was uh, her music for me during those years uh, were, were pivotal in me hearing a new sound and a new way of like, oh, maybe, you know, this kind of music is so, I could see the effect mm. on the, of the music on, um, on people practicing and, and so, um, yeah, that was my kind of shift to the spiritual world. Mm. But what was funny is that I would work in the yoga studio in the morning <laughs> or two or three shifts. And then I would go work at the restaurant at night, okay. the, the, the salsa club. And I would see the same people. So, you know, <laughs> that was a funny part. <laughs> like, Hey, I just started yoga this morning. <laughs> so I like that. I, I thought that's the kind of yogi I want to be. Yeah. You know? I want to be able to just, you know, ride the wave on both sides and I'm not great at discipline. So. <laughs> and where did um shiva ray come into it then so that was one of my uh one of the teachers that was she was working at yoga works when i got there and we became friends through um i was working in the front desk and and she was totally into music same as me i was also talking about this to sheila about how funny it is that not funny but how interesting it is that we had stores that we could go to you know that had curators in the store they'd be like you should to get this CD, you should get this album. This is like the new, you know. I, I remember. I'm sure there was a store. No, I lived, in, I lived in New York um, when I was in oh. the fashion industry and I remember going to the music store and they'd come right up to you and they'd suggest what it is to buy. Yeah, it was such a great yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah. It was. There, there yeah. was a store in Santa Monica called Hear Music, H-E-A-R. <laughs> so, um, you know, once I became friends with Shiva, I wasn't taking her yoga classes yet because I was doing Iyengar and I was doing Eric's classes. And um, but we started going to hear music together. And there was a, a couple of different curators there, but definitely one in the world music department and would, you know, say, you should, you should try this one. You should try that one. And so we'd hear all this amazing music and started to bring that into, you know, the, the mix at Yoga Works. And then um, she Shiva started, I believe, I could be wrong, maybe you should interview her and ask her, but I believe she was the first one, she was the first one to play music in a yoga class at that time, uh, because she had lived around the world doing world, uh, I mean, uh, studying dance 
and um you know, and she had gone to Indonesia, she'd gone to uh, India and Africa. So she had the movement and dance and had a master's uh, in dance from UCLA. So it was like uh, combining the movement, dance and music. So she started to play music in classes. And I remember in the very beginning, some of the management was not happy about that because, you know, there's this pure thing about you no know, music in the class and that this is yoga. That's not yoga. That happened a lot in that community for some time. Um, and I totally understand the uh, purity of things, but I think that America well, so is such a fusion place anyway. And I um, could see the profound uh, effects on for myself. Mm. I, I'm practicing with music. I like practicing in silence too, but music takes me to places that, you know, that silence doesn't uh, with movement. And so she was the first one. And when I started to observe that, then I started to go to her classes and really um, dive into that transformation. And um, yeah, so that was, you know, maybe early 2000s, I think. Mm. And, um, and then I started to organize retreats for um, uh, yoga works. Uh, and so we organized one of the first ones going to Hawaii, and that was with Jai Tall and Shiva Ray. Brahma Bolo, Brahma Bolo, Bolo Bolo Ram. Brahma Bolo, Brahma Bolo, Bolo Bolo Ram. Oh my gosh, yeah, that would have been an island. That would have been a turning point for you, <laughs> for sure. And you know, I brought my um, sister, and then my mother, my mom, and dad were always people. People uh, love my mom and dad because they've come with me in so many um, yeah. uh, adventures around the world. And Shiva really adopted them as her parents, so she'd invite them to everything. And um, we were just talking about that the, that the other day. But that trip was epic. It really. It was actually my first time to Hawaii, you know? I mean, growing six kids in Texas in a middle-class family, you don't just take your six kids to Hawaii, mm. you know? So it was my first really foray into that culture. And I just fell in love with Pele and the chanting and the singing and being with Jai. And Jeffrey um, Gordon was there at the time. He's no longer with us. But yeah, so that was um, just, it was at Kalani. And I still remember the feeling in my bones thinking, mm. oh my gosh, this is I want to be doing this. Mm. I mean, there's something about anyone that hasn't listened to Jai Utal, there's a resonance to his voice. Um, Yeah, it's it's really heart-based, isn't it? Just Mm. goes to the core, yeah. Absolutely. And so did you, I mean, I know through personally you got to then work more with Jai, so take us on 
you know, how did the path transition where Daphne got to share her music, her essence? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the first time I, I remember being at Yoga Works and they'd have all kinds of things coming through their events and we as staff could go to them, you know, cost or no cost depending. And his was the first kirtan. I didn't know what kirtan was. So mm-hmm. um, he, they hosted one with him and I remember going in and I was blown away. I'd been singing in a church. I was actually, you know, still singing in a church in Beverly Hills. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I grew up Catholic. So I was doing the Catholic church and uh, um, singing there. And um, a woman named Maria was a guitarist and singer. And so I'd do stuff with her. And I didn't play guitar until I was 26, the first mm. time I, I bought a guitar. But um, I've been singing for a for a, a while. And, um, anyway, so I'd been at the church, but I hadn't, um, experienced anything like Kirtan, you know? And so I went that night and I was like, Oh my, I was so blown away as many people are their first experience. Everybody's singing together, you know, Jai is amazing, but you know, all of that channeling Neem Koli Baba in the room, I'm sure. So, um, after that, it was funny. Cause then my, like, Oh wait, are we supposed to be singing like this? So I called my mom. I was like, mom, we had this, I'm super close, close, close with my mom. And so I called her and said, oh, we, I went to this concert, but they were singing about elephants and uh, monkeys and things like that. Do you think it's okay that we do that as Catholics? And she said, I don't think so. Um, you know, I don't think that the Catholic church would believe in that. Um, and I think she, at that point thought I joined a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I guess, you know, um, but <laughs> So then I, she said, well, ask your, ask your, your, your priest at the Beverly Hills church. Just ask him what he believes, you know, mm. maybe he can help you. So I did. He, this guy was super cool, like server guy, you know, he did everything, but, and he's like, he's like, no problem. You're, you're singing to God. It's, you know, he had, he was totally integrated that way. So it gave me that permission. How and, beautiful um, that he gave you that permission. I mean, imagine if that door was he closed. Said, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have done it anyway as a rebel, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So he he told me that, and then um, the next kirtan I went to was Krishna Das with Ram Das oh. in LA, and I thought I thought we were going to blow up and go out of the room because <laughs> Ram Ram Das had his chant. Uh, Ram, 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 Ram. Yeah. Uh, like it was uh, the Unitarian Church, like 2,000 people. Ram, Ram for I don't even know, half an hour, 45 minutes. And we were all crying and, you know, pulsating. It was amazing. I went with my friend Andrea and um, I still remember that moment. Um, it was my one and only uh, connection with Ram Das. But anyway, yeah. So then Jai, you know, I'm, I really got closer to him on a couple of the, at that first one in Hawaii. And then um, he did, you know, I actually invited my mom for that one because she had thought, you know, we've got a cult going on here. So when she met Jai in Nubia, she was like, oh, they loved, loved him. So then Jai invited my mom and dad. My dad couldn't come because he was working, but to come to the uh, Kirtan camp. Mm. <laughs> and at the time, Nubia was organizing everything for Jai. And I had started organizing stuff for Shiva already through that time we had come close and I uh, started working with her and her husband, ex-husband now. And uh, so he said, well, we really, Nubia, we need a little help. Maybe you can help us organize. And then I said, well, then we can exchange. I'll come and maybe can my mom come with me as exchange? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my mom came down to the Kirtan camp in Guatemala. Oh, wow. <laughs> we went from like, I don't think you can sing that to like, she's, you know, in a Kirtan camp. <laughs> it was like five years later, right? five years later. <laughs> Did you get her the outfit and everything? 
<laughs> <laughs> no, she, she did have yoga clothes though. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's funny because I actually, I saw Jai Nubia post. Their son is 16 now, mm. has his own band. We're talking about time. And when we were in Guatemala, he was crawling on the floor, a little baby, like, Whoa. like a little, little Gopal. Yeah. So I was just said to him, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how time has passed. But so yeah, that, that was the first um, connection. And then, um, you know, working behind the scenes and connecting with him that way. That was, I just love uh, Giant Nubia. They're just mm-hmm. gems. And they gave, you know, again, permission. You can do this. And um, to be honest, I've only done one Kirtan camp with him, except for the one online I did recently, because I started just the phew, go. And then I couldn't line up with where he was going to be and I was mm-hmm. going to be. I mean, a few times I went to Good in California, but um but yeah, that was the first um, experience and Lake Hachimang was amazing. Uh, it was really powerful experience for me and being there with my mom. So, mm. and I ended up riding Saraswati Mata on the lake there oh. as part of the, you know, when you're in the circle and they say, okay, now go outside and melody and write something and then come back and share. So that was, that was the first kind of uh, melody that came to me with my mom. So it's been amazing. Which, and just share, I mean, what Saraswati Ma, what that means in reference to that you were there with your mother. That is the mother energy, isn't it? That's calling in yes. the mother of the divine. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because I hadn't really thought about how powerful that experience was until my mom passed mm. in June, this last June. I realized, yeah. oh, my gosh, it, that, that was kind of the, the, uh, the planning of the seed of that journey of, you know, the ride with Saraswati and Ma and being, you know, uh, being supported in grace with that particular mantra as I moved around the world. And that's definitely the one that resonates with people in any culture, in any language. That's what's amazing. Mm. Thank you. 
songs still resonate. I mean, I, I, again, I just got goosebumps. It's like your mother's <laughs> presence is with us as we say that. I think because, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope it's okay to say that, but I just felt that, yeah. Oh, absolutely. She's yeah. been around. She was here last night too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so, because I was going to say, if you only picked up the guitar at, I mean, I've always seen you singing and playing the guitar, so you only picked that up at 26. That's incredible. And so how, and then you so the only, reason, the only yeah. reason I did did is because my um my roommate was tired of hearing me sing in the shower and sing, you know, he actually introduced, we went to actually went to hear music. And I remember he introduced me to Alison Krauss. I don't oh, know I love Alison Krauss. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And, yeah. From, and then, and no, sorry. He introduced, I introduced him to Alison Krauss. Let's get this right. <laughs> I, he introduced me to Sean Colvin mm. and Sean Colvin's album. He introduced me to is live 88. And it was just her acoustic guitar playing and singing. And I was blown away by it. And so he's like, I think you should get a guitar. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to the music store, you know, and then uh, there was um, in the music store. There was also a a little brochure with a guitar teacher's name on it. I can't remember his name. Uh, Tom, Tom Winslow. How do I remember that name? And I started doing lessons with him. And uh, yeah, it was... uh, but I, ha- I hadn't thought about, oh, maybe I could play guitar. I just was looking for players to play with me. And once I started to play, um, I was able to be s- sustained myself, you know? And I think that, and I'm still, I'll say a beginner in that department when I play with master guitar- guitarists. Mm-hmm. But um, I really encourage anybody who's listening, if you've ever wanted to play an instrument and you think I'm too old or too young or whatever, I, in- I encourage you the way that you're going to play is go buy one. <laughs> and I bought a cheap one. It was like $190 or something, a couple hundred dollars maybe. Um, and I kept it for a lot of years before I then spent a lot of money on another one. But um, it really uh, gave me the freedom and also um, c- uh, the courage to then sing and play at the same time, you know, because you always, if you're just, if you only are singing, then you've got to find, no, I don't have to, but finding in- other people to play with you. Yeah. So that gets a little challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I didn't play guitar when I was young at all. I mean, sometimes I wish, gosh, I wish it started at seven or six, but it is what it is. And and then you need you know, find the really good guitarist who can do all the cool things. I'll play the, the rhythm guitar. <laughs> That's when you get all the multi-instrumentalists coming in on the mm-hmm. tours in all the different countries, mm-hmm. um, which I've experienced with you. <laughs> yes. Um, Manuel and Clayton and H. Yes. Yeah. Um, I miss all of them. Yeah, beautiful community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, did you pick up playing the harmonium as well back on those? You know, yeah, that's funny you ask. Um, when I left Los Angeles to work for the Bali Spirit Festival, I got invited to move to Bali. And it was a kind of a, another turning point in my life where I was ending a relationship, moving out of my apartment, ending a job, and like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then I got a message from Meg. Megan Pappenheim and Rob and they I knew them through working I didn't know Rob actually but I knew Meg through working with Shiva over the years and so they wrote me and said we're starting this festival we we need some help with production we'd love to bring you on the team and I was like "Mm, I think I want to stay in LA at that point I was trying to go another direction so I was having a meeting with like India Reeves manager and you know moving that direction and then um uh actually Shiva's the one that said just go for six months and try it. And if you don't like it, you come back. So yeah, I, um, 
and decided, okay, I'm going to go. And um, so then from my going away present, Shiva and Jai bought me a harmonium. Oh, <laughs> so I carry it to Bali with my guitars and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Was like, it a little portable me. one? Or- <laughs> no, because <laughs> I have one. I've got the big one, and every time yeah. I move, I'm like, "Why am I bringing this to the next place? It's so heavy." <laughs> I'm looking well, at it right now in front of me. It's so big. <laughs> No, it's like a, so mine ended up actually at the yoga barn, uh, resident <laughs> harmonium because, you know, I took it there and, you know, I, I love it. I actually want to pick it up again, but yeah. I, um, I really was still, uh, you know, connected with guitar and then I started to travel more and it's, it's nearly impossible to travel with one of those things and not, yeah. and not break it or something. Yeah. And I remember Dave Stringer came to Bali when I was living there and he came and he's like, what happened to this harmonium? He's trying to help me. Yeah, he's fixing all the reeds and you know, you're living in a moldy place and he's like crying for the crying for the harmonium. (laughs) Poor baby's not taken care. I was like, I don't have AC. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, I am I really love the harmonium and um I didn't uh, resonate with it as much as I did with guitar and then the practicality Mm. of touring. Mm. And I talked to Jai about this some years ago and he travels with his guitar. I think he still does harmonium too, but he tries plays the guitar a lot. So it just makes it, you know, as a, as a moving person from here to there. Um, but one thing I could do is just have people have harmoniums at their house like you. Yeah, you can come and stay with me. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think uh, harmonium, there's nothing like a harmonium, it, it, you know, for all the different resonances and being able to sound and um, without having to think much. So I like the harmonium in Kirtan because you can kind of, you can work it with the rhythm and build the audience up. But, I mean, you can do that also with the guitar. I mean, you can also, you know, speed it up, speed it down. But I do but know, are, I, I, sent, yeah. I sense when people play harmonium in kirtans, people sing louder because mm-hmm. the harmonium's a little better, so it gives people more freedom. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do I do like that um, uh, possibility. So who knows? I might get to the next, you know, harmoniums. I'm in Costa Rica. I don't have a harmonium, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What is it true that Rob also said, "Come over and I'll I'll produce and record your first debut album"? Was that was that that moment in Bali? That's true. Yes. Yeah. Um. So Rob is actually responsible because mm-hmm. you know they had offered me this deal to come and and start the festival and have a house and do all this stuff, and I still was like him and Han. Um. I was on the beach in Boracay actually trying to decide what I was going to do with my life. Not a terrible place to be, but um. But then Rob said, um. Oh, I heard that you're a singer songwriter and how about we throw in the deal um i'll record i have a studio oh, no, i said i have a studio in my um house in the um jungle and i'm happy to bring you on and let's do your first ep as part of the deal and i was like oh i knew he, he got that little carrot or the cookie um and once he said that i was like okay i'm going back to la pack my stuff up sell my car and i think if i remember correctly it's like 10 days later, I was on a plane to Bali. Mm-hmm. I went from Boracay, you know, swoop back to LA. I'd already moved out of my apartment. My sister had all my stuff. And uh, I got on a plane and it changed my life again. Like, and that was, from, yeah. And I was end of 07, early 08. And you did not stay there for six months, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Six months turned into, what are we in now? Uh, 2021. I think I was there consistently um, six years. Yeah. And then longer with the festival. But at that, after six, about six years, then I was touring a lot. So, but I still based there. 
So yeah, I'll, I'll say be careful when you say you're going to go to Bali for six months. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that can totally understand because yeah. <laughs> they're probably in Bali now. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But that was an amazing place. It was a, I was just talking to my friend Yoshi and saying, you know, Bali for me was the hub. It was, you know, quite a, a bit like Los Angeles for me too. It was a hub of, of creatives and people mm. from all over the world that were doing stuff, you know, there is pulse and, and Bali was even uh, more raw in a sense because there were a lot of people there that were starting or creating new projects and, you know, testing things out and taking, you know, getting out of the city and, you know, getting into Ubud and, um, and you know, putting their visions into reality and then, you know, testing it on the market there and then going out. And I've seen so yeah. many of those creatives out in the world and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And it definitely embraced fusion, that fusion, you know, really mixing up the dance, the kirtan, you know, it, yeah, it was a place where it was all happening. Yeah. Some, there was some other teachers along the way that were really key for you. Um, Jonathan Goldman and yeah. Ellen Watson. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm still working with Ellen that you brought it up. I just texted with her. Okay. Um, those of you who don't know Ellen, she is uh, a force of nature and, um, I, she's 72, but like a oh. seven-year-old, 72-year-old. <laughs> she's um, taught me so much about play, about, um, you know, uh, trusting in the flow. Um, and she, I met her actually at Esalen. She was at Esalen for about 30 years, Esalen Institute. And um, so I met her there, but then we ended up re-meeting up again in um, Bali some years later. And she came to my kirtan at Yoga Barn. And she said, Hey, you know, I love what you do. And I, she was one of Gabrielle Roth's first te- in, in the first teacher training. So I think she said there were eight people in that training at S1. So before it was five rhythms, even she was working in that, you know, mm. in that field, um, in embodied arts and of all kinds. I mean, so, um, she said, I really would love to marry the dancing with the singing. I think it's, we, mm. that that's the one thing I find is missing is, is we either dance or we sing, but we don't have, you know, in, in that format. So we started something called Spirit Dance Soul Song back in 2009, I think it was. And uh, working together doing those um, collaborations. And that was so much fun. I learned so much from her. And um, and I love it because we had had a little bit of a, a lull during right before COVID and things like that. And then once COVID hit, you know, we're all trying to figure out what we're doing. <laughs> um, those of us who travel a lot are event producers, et cetera. And we've come back together and we have a, um, one of her dear friends and mine now, um, is she's a phenomenal woman. She's like a super mom, like you, mm-hmm. a super creator, like you, and, you know, balancing it all the plates spinning. Mm-hmm. She's a singer songwriter, um, and also five rhythms trained. And so we've created something called vibrance. Yes. And it's a collaboration of all the embodied arts and the creative arts and, um, you know, getting back to our roots of the med- medicine, the medicine and the medicinal roots of music and movement, which we are seeing is um, so important, you know, yeah. in these times. So we're really excited. We haven't launched the company yet. We, we've been in a, um, uh, what they say, birthing <laughs> in the last six months. And um, we'll be, uh, yeah, putting something out shortly in the next couple of months. So I'm excited to share that. Yeah. And, um, and then Jonathan Goldman, uh, I had, you know, done, had all his CDs, everybody, I think over the years, he's like the 70, like the troubadour of sound, <laughs> um, and from the States. 
And um, so Ellen and I ended up going to one of his immersions in uh, Colorado together after years of saying, we want to see him, whatever. So um, we did some studying with him, which is amazing because I hadn't gotten into the just pure toning, you know, without having to think about lyric or melody or all those things. So one of the profound experience I had with him is they did like a 24 hour toning uh, event where you people toned in groups. Like I think we had six groups. So there was somebody toning in the center for a, a whole 24 hours. Mm. And I never had, I mean, my, you, you know, your body just feels like it's coming apart and come back together. So, um, yeah, I still, I think he's definitely one on the forefront. I think a lot of people that do teach, um, this sounding and toning somehow are connected to him from original mm. uh, days of the seventies. He's, he and his wife are lovely and they're, um, they're groovy. I'll say <laughs> true seventies. What, what has talking about the sound and the resonance? So, I mean, it, everything that you've mentioned on today's talk, it, it just feels like your whole life has been in flow. Mm-hmm. Have there been some moments where you've had to, you've fallen off and you've had to get back on the flow? Like are there some tools that, or is that more in your personal life or, you know, as far as career, it's always been, or, or your mission, it's always been flowing. <laughs> Share some of that, those moments. Yeah, here. I think, um, yeah, I'd say that there's a big, there's definitely a trust in the flow of the creative for me. And I, I'm actually now working with Sheila Chandra. She is doing coaching for creative um, co- coaching artists into creative careers. And it's been really helpful for me because one of the things is great. I just go with the flow, but at the same time, having, some organization and, you know, mm. uh, and end goals is really helpful. I mean, when you record it, when I record albums, I definitely have that structure in place, you know, mostly. Mm. Um, so I'd say I definitely fall off my practice, um, both, you know, whether I'm doing physical or, um, you know, meditation or music, I have to keep like reeling myself back in because I get interested in a lot of things friends will say I'm like um squirrel like oh over there that's cool or whatever that and then (laughs) (laughs) so one thing is you know is a positive thing is I'm spontaneous that I can go with what's happening and uh at the same time to find a balance of structure and foundation I'm finding working in this new company has been great for me you know Mm -hmm. to have accountability to two other people um where usually I'm just doing I'm on my own doing my own thing. And sometimes I just uh, let things fall by the wayside and nobody's making me accountable. I just go to the next thing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a soul like me. Yeah, so because I, I love, you know, when we're on these spiritual journeys, there's a lot of moments when we are in that lane of flow. But in my personal journey, you know, it has brought me um, a lot of circumstances that I've had to pause and and look at and almost go through those dark nights of the soul. What, what has it been for you along the journey that has helped 
break you open even more to share more from that heart space, from that space to 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 be able to hold that for other people. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you say the dark night of the soul. Yeah. I am. Um, you know, it's interesting you live, I mean, for me, I was living a bit in a bubble, traveling a lot and, you know, having other, I mean, one of the ways that I found for sure that gave me or uh, stopped me a bit to stop and look and, you know, reconfigure my life is being in a relationship that I realized, oh, like, this is not going to work for me. And I needed to find um, what it is that I really wanted, what I valued. And so there there are two things. The first time that's uh, maybe that was like 2014. And I ended up going to do a program called Hoffman Process. Um, It's a Hoffman Institute out of England, actually, but they have a a headquarters in California, Northern California. And that was a, uh, talk about being broken open and going going back to, um, going back to your childhood and identifying some things that have happened and helping to see clearly you know, the patterns that we've created that came from our parents, no blame at all. It's just, what do we learn? How do we take those patterns on? And then, you know, unconsciously continue those patterns without saying, Hey, wait a minute, that pattern doesn't really work for me or that pattern works for me. Right. So that doesn't, it doesn't that come up in, in the relationships you have. I mean, that's when it's completely, we thank those relationships because that's when it magnifies to you where those cracks are and where you need to go and bring attention to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that really did um, bring me on a journey to say, okay, I'm it's, it was another kind of uh, letting everything go and moving on. It wasn't a physical well, it was, I had to move out of, the, of my ex's house. So yeah, it was a physical thing, packing the boxes and all those things. And, um, you know, and asking the questions of, do I want, what do I want? Or is it societal that I think that I should do something that is, is appropriate to do at this age? Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a, a big shift. And then I, when, once I made my decision and got clear, I just was like, I knew what was happening next, but it took me probably six to seven months to finally be clear about it. And um, a friend of mine calls it a full body. Yes. Yeah. So she's like, you know, if it's not a full body, yes. Uh, you, know, you know, your body, uh, what does she say? My friend Dorian, who's a beautiful um, teacher and um, coach in Thailand. But she says, um, you, if you ask the question and really sense into your body, your body will never lie to you. Mm. Your body will either close or open with that mm. question. And, your mind will try to, you know, convince you otherwise, mm. but your body will tell you immediately, okay, that's not, it's not going to work. So, um, yeah, that was powerful for me. And then, um, you know, I wanted to speak a little bit to grief because, um, grieving, first of all, I, you know, I hadn't really looked at grief as when you lose a relationship, but that's like a powerful grief. I, I kind of went on my way and started traveling again and, and, and didn't, face the grief at that moment. And then in 2017, I lost, we lost my nephew in an accident. He was 23. And that was a tsunami of grief for our family, for just our, our community. And, um, it was, it was a moment I remember then laying in bed at my parents' house and thinking, what's the purpose of it all? Like Mm. you have a kid, you take care of the kid or you're born and you do all this stuff and then you die. So I got in a place where I was like, I don't want to do anything. I'd gotten off the road. I decided to be there with my mom and dad and my brother. And then I was like, 
I don't need to write any more music. I don't need to do anything. I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I, I'm whoever's out there listening. I think when that happens, somebody dies in your family, there's a point, there's a part of me that was like, I've done enough. I could die now. Mm-hmm. Not to be morbid or feel sorry for myself, but you know, I felt like, okay, complete. And, um, it took me a good year with the, with the, um, uh, encouragement of my dear friend in Tokyo. She is, uh, has helped me manage tours there. And she kept writing me and saying, are you okay? Are you okay? I think you need to come to Nagano, the mountains in Japan. And I think you need to make music for your nephew. Mm. You need to do it for him and don't think about yourself. And so I flew out to back to Japan. I spent almost 10 years now in Japan touring, but she's been one of my best friends and sisters and um, knew my family. And yeah, we went out there and I mean, I cried almost every day, all day long, (laughs) but, you know, doing ceremony for him and then writing and this, you know, soul songs that my last album was really born of the grief that was there inside. And, um, you know, I'd say it was almost in service, not to myself. And that was a powerful experience because I got out of my own way, I'd say. Yeah. So that was a beautiful experience. And, um, you know, now my mother passed eight months ago and again, it wasn't as, it was not as big of a tsunami because we had known she was not well, but yes. still there's that again, questioning of purpose and, um, and then I, with that whole grieving process, then my relationship grief started coming up. I was like, what's, where's this coming from? Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, being present in the moments of the precious moments of joy and, you know, gratitude and then being present. And, you know, some days I'm walking along and I see like, I don't know, a flower or something or, and I'll just start crying, remembering my mom or my nephew and thinking, I wish they were here. And then, you know, you move through it and with it and dance with it. And that's what I've been finding helps me a lot to continue being also in community as much as I can. Mm. Um, and so thank you for asking that question. It's a long answer, but I think um, oh, there's beautiful. a big grieving process going yeah. on, whether you've lost somebody or you're in the grieving process of not being in the same flow of a life that you knew before COVID. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I think there's a, there's a big opportunity for us to speak to grief and the ways that we can um, move through it and balance. And I try to move or dance, sing or some, something daily. Yeah. Even if it's just, you know, like I like people think it's funny. I like BTS, the Korean pop group. So I love that song, right? Dynamite. And so I'll play it and I'll do my exercise. My, son, my, my children play that in our car trip to school like daily and on full blast. And, it's, <laughs> and we're all dancing. And I'm thinking people must drive past this car and go, what is going on in that car? But it's like their energy. It's medicine. Their energy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's called good good medicine, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm just grateful for that. Um, you know, to have the tools, and I think we all have the tools. If you can move your feet, if you can talk, you can. We, you know, they say in after right, if you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. If you can breathe, you can practice yoga, right? So they don't say that in Africa, maybe in India, but anyway, my point is that we all have the medicine that's inside of us, and we don't need um, gurus all over the world. You can find them if you like, but to you're right play a song in your car and sing along to dynamite i mean it sounds yeah, goofy, I mean, I, but you'll feel uplifted after a two-minute song 
I loved that in in hosting, you know, the the amount of events that were hosted through through one space. And I and but I absolutely loved watching that transition, almost like a pop in the room. People walking in quite rigid and controlled, and I, I you know, especially the men that would come along with their partners. You know, I don't sing. I, I, I you know, I definitely don't move my body. And then you just watch this emergence and complete shift in the room and I've watched that with you leading and you know it's just so beautiful to watch the joy and the childlikeness that comes out in that transition from every yeah, that, soul no matter who yeah, walked the in the room. I love that yeah just remembering yeah. that it was it's there it's not yeah it's accessible in any moment and we forget and yeah I, th- I think, you know, b- uh, being in Bali as long as I was um, living there, I loved the fact that you'd have everybody there was an artist, right? And even yeah. if I, I remember asking this driver, I knew he, he was a driver, you know, that's what he did. Um, so I said, what do you do? <laughs> he said, I'm a painter, <laughs> which I thought is so cute. It's like, that's right. He's a painter. That's what he does. Sure. He makes money driving <laughs> all day, but that's not what he, that's not who he is. And yeah. sometimes I think in the Western world, we get stuck in the fact of identity of I'm this or I'm that. And um, when we're all just children finding, trying to find our way back to playing again, you know? I love that. Mm. Thank you for mm. that. Yeah. Well, let's finish up now with, you're yeah. working on right now, um, Vibrance and Voice of Vibrance. And then you've got a podcast that's about to be launched. Yes. Where can we? And I'm going to, ex- excited to have you on. I would be honored to be on. <laughs> yes. So we, uh, the podcast is Voices, Voices of Vibrance because okay. we're interviewing uh, uh, people around the world, artists, creative artists, all, all kinds, of, all walks of life, and, uh, you know, putting their voice into the uh, mix of what brings vibrance to their life. What are they, you know, what makes, what lights them up? Mm. And, um, and I'd love to hear stories from people of all walks of life. And so that's one thing we're doing with them. And then we're, getting going to Kauai in a couple of weeks to shoot our first online course, which will be coming out shortly. So that's going to be exciting to be able to share that. Mm. I mean, I know that people um, want to get outside. I totally get that. And then also giving people tools. Um, if we can't get together in person uh, too soon that we can connect, um, yeah. you know, online for now, but looking forward to in-person. We are actually have an in-person retreat that will be happening. I know you're in Australia, no, that's okay. um, but we, um, we'll be doing one in Colorado by the Rocky Mountains, the foothills of the Rocky Mountains and outside of Boulder. And so that'll be an in-person outdoors, really fun event, um, feeling of one space fit. And um, we'll have uh, a week long and, um, and then a one day festival with music and it's going to be a lot of families and um, community. And that's in August. Our website is vibrance.global. And um, so you can find everything there. Also, our Instagram is the same, vibrance.global. And um, my Instagram is Daphri, uh, D-A-P-H-F-R-E-E. Yep. And my website is daphnec.com. So, yeah, you can Aww. find all those things. Yeah. And I really, really, uh, you know, I'm putting the intention there for us to be back together sooner than later. I'd love to get you back to Australia. Mm. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they open their borders, let me know. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for having this chat with me and going deep and being on the One Space Love Show. 
Yeah, thank you so much. You've been listening to the One Space Love Show and I'm your host, Steph Pappas. You can head over to onespace.love, join the community, sign up to the mailing list and there's also all the links there for our social media, our YouTube channel and you can catch up with all the previous shows over there. So that's onespace.love.